0: Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Spark OTU podcast, a podcast that ignites conversation about mental health and well being at Ontario Tech University. I'm your host, Sylvia, and today we have a guest on our show to talk to us about eating disorders, what to look out for, and when we can get mental health supports. Let's welcome Michelle to the show. Hi, Michelle. It's so nice to see you and have you on the podcast. Today, we will have you talking about mental health and eating disorders. But before we dive on in, please tell us a bit about yourself, your role on campus, and what got you interested in working with people struggling with eating disorders.
1: Yeah, thanks, Sylvia. So uh, my name is Michelle Pittman. I'm a registered social worker and eating disorder psychotherapist here on campus. Um, I work out of the Campus Health and Wellness Center supporting both Durham College and Ontario Tech students who may be experiencing disordered eating, body image concerns, and other related concerns that go along with that. I've been in the role uh, since May of 2023. And um, yeah, I've been really um, enjoying working with post-secondary uh, students who come with just a range of experiences and strengths and resources yeah, that I get to kind of be a part of. So it's been really a wonderful, yeah, wonderful experience for me so far. In terms of, you know, what kind of got me interested in supporting people with disordered eating and body image concerns, it kind of goes back to my youth. I was a competitive athlete in the sport of judo. And for those of you that don't know, judo is a martial arts and it's a weight-based sport. So within that community, lots of disordered eating experiences and a culture kind of focused on you know, weight loss and appearance and numbers on the scale. And so you know, seeing my peers you know, experiencing disordered eating, myself having some disordered eating that stemmed from, from those experiences
0: kind of led me to this work. It's great to hear the passion you have for not only supporting others, but the passion for eating disorders as well. I think what's especially refreshing to hear is that we have a support like this available at Ontario Tech and for our campus community. Uh, There really are supports for everyone. So for those that may be struggling to really understand what is considered an eating disorder, because there is not just one. Can you tell us a bit more about what are eating disorders?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. There are more than one eating disorder diagnoses. And our understanding of eating disorders, you know, within the broader society, I think oftentimes when people think of an eating disorder, they think anorexia, bulimia, maybe they think about binge eating disorder, and they have some preconceived ideas about that being disordered eating and being a mental health diagnosis. And of course, yes, those are mental health diagnoses, but there are more. In fact, in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual that's used to diagnose mental health illnesses, there's eight diagnoses under the Feeding and Eating Disorders category. And essentially, eating disorders are a mental health concern. They stem from mental health challenges, Particularly, you know, a fear of weight gain might be a common symptom, a fear of a loss of control around eating and trying to establish some control, a fear around certain foods, a fear of, of eating in general, and what that might the impact that that might have on the body. And so I think it's important to, to recognize, but not get so fixated on the diagnosis itself, right? Because disordered eating runs across a spectrum. I would say, you know, in our society and culture, you know, there's a lot of meaning that's attached to food, eating, and bodies, right? There's a lot of push to diet, to restrain your eating. And so I would say many of us fall within that spectrum of disordered eating to various degrees. Right, It's just sometimes that disordered eating can kind of run a little bit further to the further extreme of that spectrum. So for example, you might have restrictive type eating disorders where there's a fear of weight gain, as I mentioned earlier, a preoccupation with food, calories, and weight, and dieting and chronic dieting are risk factors with regards to that delaying eating, that would also kind of, that suggests some uh, disordered eating that's kind of teetering towards the restrictive type eating disorders and eating without any kind of awareness, bodily awareness. So maybe not being as attuned to kind of hunger and fullness cues and under eating. So that's kind of on the restrictive side of the continuum. On the Other side of that continuum would be disordered eating that can then lead to compulsive or compensatory type eating disorders. So what I mean by compensatory, difficult to say that word, is doing certain behaviors as a way of making up for, I'm saying make up in quotes, making up for your eating, right? So again, dieting and chronic dieting Restraining your eating can be a precursor to developing a more serious eating disorder diagnosis, eating past satisfaction or past fullness, a sense of a loss of control in eating, overeating or compulsive or overeating or binging. And then there's also compensatory behaviors such as like overexercising, again, as a way of making up for your food intake
0: or purging, as well as use of steroids. Okay. So there are various eating disorders that impact us in different ways. And I can't help but wonder what could some of the risk factors that influence the development of an eating disorder be? Great question.
1: Yeah. So there are various factors and I kind of put them in the category of factors that influence the kind of starting of an eating disorder. And those that might maintain the disorder might make it difficult to recover. And then those that, you know, factors that support the continuation of the disorder. And, And that's important to note because, you know, it can mean that, you know, people can struggle with eating disorders for quite some time if some of these things aren't addressed So I'll start with the starting point um, in terms of those factors that can um, risk somebody developing an eating disorder. Trauma is and oppression and discrimination can can, again, be a, a primary kind of factor that starts the development of an eating disorder. Again, when you think about eating disorders often being a result of wanting the body to be different, wanting to change it by way of weight and shape. You know, there's a sense of kind of wanting to control things there. And so with trauma and oppression and discrimination, those can often be outside of a person's control, right? So so that can be a main starting point for the development of an eating disorder. In terms of maintaining factors, you know, having disruptions to interpersonal relationships, so having a loss, right? Breaking up with a partner, maybe there's a death of a loved one. That sort of thing can kind of keep that eating disorder, keep keep it going. New environmental demands such as starting post-secondary school, right? There's a lot of stressors that go along with that. You know, somebody moving to uh, campus for the first time, having to learn how to kind of cook meals and take care of themselves. There can be a lot of stress on top of just getting used to being in a new school and like a new yeah, post, like that post-secondary institution. And then continuing factors. So one, one is, an one, important one to mention are the cognitive effects of starvation. So if we are limiting our intake, if we're not getting enough, that can lead to memory issues, challenges with focusing, can also, continuing to stay in the, the eating disorder can also maintain challenges with emotional regulation. Right. And then, of course, like I was mentioning earlier, we have this sociocultural fixation on dieting. And that dieting is the way to health, to well-being, to a sense of belonging. And so living in that culture where dieting is approved and dieting is a form of disordered eating, it can make it hard to recover from an eating disorder because of that. And the other thing I'll mention, too, because it's a risk factor for being a post-secondary student as well, is food insecurity. When folks are food insecure, there's a risk of you know, periods of restriction and binging. And binging is a natural response when we've restricted our intake. The body, when, when we go through periods of restriction, whether it's intended or not, so in the case of food insecurity, it's often not, the body sees that as you know, there's a risk of famine. And so the body will fight It's best to to protect. It's a safety kind of mechanism, right, that the body has adapted, which is, like, amazing. So if you've had periods of food insecurity, when the body does have access to food, it's like a a psychological and a physical response to just when as soon as we have access to that food, we're going to eat as much of it as we can because the body doesn't trust when it'll be fed again. Right. So, yeah, food insecurity is something that can be a real challenge for continuing the eating disorder symptoms.
0: And with what we know about these risk factors and its impact to our body and mind, what are some of the signs we can look out for, either for ourselves or our loved ones?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first, you know, maybe doing a little bit of reflection on your relationship with food. You know, are you limiting your intake to the point where maybe cognitively you're feeling those effects? Maybe you're noticing more depressive symptoms or anxiety, particularly around food. You might be experiencing shame around food and shame around your body and weight and having feelings of hopelessness, of failure, of not being good enough. Perfectionism can also be a risk factor for developing an eating disorder, and of course, your social life. Eating disorders can often be illnesses of social isolation, right, because of the shame and the guilt that we feel around our bodies and around the foods that we're eating or not eating. So if you find yourself isolating from friends and family members, that because of your eating, if you find it really difficult and anxiety-provoking to go out to a meal with a friend, then yeah, that along with some of those other signs that I talked about could be signs that maybe there's something a little more serious going on there.
0: And now where do we go if we identify that this is something we are struggling with?
1: Yeah, so I would suggest Ontario Tech students first contact Student Mental Health Services to set up an intake. And from there, your intake coordinators can do a little bit of an assessment around kind of some of those needs and you know what some of those pressing concerns are. And if disordered eating or body image concerns are one of those things that comes up, um, then that referral can go on to campus health and wellness centers. So your intake coordinators could coordinate that and then set up, and then the campus health and wellness center team would then
0: set up an intake and assessment appointment with me. Awesome. Thank you so much for that information, Michelle. And thank you, Michelle, for the valuable information and tips. Well, thank you so much for having me.
1: I, as you mentioned, i like, I have a passion for working with challenges with eating, uh, particularly the disordered eating, eating disorder and body image concerns. So yeah, happy to be here, happy to share and uh, look forward to working with you again.
0: Thanks, Michelle. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the MindSpark OT podcast. Remember, your mental health is a priority and there's a wealth of support waiting for you at Ontario Tech University. If you have any questions or want more information, visit the university's website or reach out to the Student Mental Health Services team. Until next time, this is Sylvia signing off. Take care and keep sparking those positive vibes.